Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. <clears throat> we're trying to indicate by the title Bible Crossfire. I'm not sure we're doing a good job that you can call in and get in the crossfire, meaning you can call in and ask a Bible question, make a Bible comment. We might even have a friendly disagreement over what the Bible says. You see plenty of disagreements in the Bible about doctrine. In the New Testament in particular, there are all kinds of religious debates. Most people aren't willing to debate anymore religiously, but Paul did it. He said in Acts 19, 8 through 10, that he disputed daily in the school of Tyrannius. So he was doing it regularly for two years. All kinds of religious discussions, disagreements, because the Christians, the, the gospel preachers weren't afraid to debate publicly, to discuss, because they really felt like they had the truth. They really believed they could defend it. They really believed they could prove it. And on this program, Hopefully, we're going to preach the truth. We really feel like we can defend the truth. We really feel like we can prove what we're saying. So we don't mind if you call in and disagree. Just do it in a kind and, and way. We'll try to be kind. Do it in a friendly way. We don't want to run off listeners because we're mean and ugly and make personal attacks, call each other names or something like that. But we have a friendly discussion over the Word of God. We're going to learn. You get to hear both sides of, of a question. Um, now, And last week, it came up, I forget how, about does a person have to be baptized to be saved? And I'm sure I read a passage, maybe something like Mark 16, 16, where Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned, which clearly proves you got to do two things to be saved. Belief, you got to believe and you got to be baptized. I mean, you couldn't make it any more clear. Jesus just simply saying, basically on a fourth grade level, you got to believe and be baptized to be saved. But for some reason, People want to dispute that. So somebody called in, and this, I think, is the most frequently called-in question to my program. I've been on the air with this program since, I think, July of 2015. The most frequent question is basically, what about the thief on the cross? If we're talking about, does a person have to be baptized to be saved? The argument is, well, the thief on the cross was saved. He was, but he wasn't baptized. That's right. So why doesn't the thief on the cross prove that? You can be saved without being baptized. So let's talk about that. Somebody called it at the end of the program. We didn't have time to deal with it in depth, but let's talk about it in depth today. If you have a Bible question or comment on this or any other issue, the lines are wide open. Callers get priority, not me preaching, but the callers get the priority. Call us at 877-655-6755. So if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. So the question is, does the thief on the cross prove sinners today can be saved without water baptism? Well, first of all, we don't know that the thief was never baptized. Have you ever thought about that? I was looking at this passage today, Luke 23, 42, and here's how it reads. And he said unto Jesus, this is the the thief talking to Jesus on the cross. He said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. The thief evidently knows something about the kingdom. It seems like the thief maybe even knew more about Jesus' teaching than some of the apostles. Obviously, the thief had been taught. He he said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. How did he know that Jesus was going to come into his kingdom? How did he even know there was going to be a kingdom? He must have been taught. So it's possible the thief had been baptized before he was ever put up on the cross. Now, if you're going to try to use the proof thief to prove a person doesn't have to be baptized to be saved, 
the argument is, well, the thief wasn't baptized and he was saved. Therefore, a person today can be saved without baptism. If you're going to use that as an argument, you better be able to prove the thief wasn't baptized. Of course, we know the thief wasn't baptized after he got up on the cross. And that's what most people are thinking of. But how do you know the thief wasn't baptized before he got on the cross? Perhaps he was a thief. He stole things. Perhaps he met John the Baptist and he repented of his sins and was baptized for the remission of sins. That's possible. We don't know that he did. We don't know that he didn't. But if you're going to use the thief on the cross to prove a person doesn't have to be baptized to be saved because he wasn't baptized, you better know for sure that he wasn't baptized. And we don't know that. He could have been baptized. The Bible doesn't tell us one way or the other whether he was baptized. We can tell that he had some teaching, some of Jesus' teaching, perhaps from John the Baptist who did baptize for the remission of sin. But we don't know if he was baptized, but we don't know that he wasn't baptized. So you can't use the thief to prove a person doesn't have to be baptized to be saved. Because we don't know for sure the thief wasn't baptized before he got on the cross. Second, I want to use Romans chapter 10 verse 9 to illustrate this next point. Romans 10 9 reads this way. That if thou shalt believe that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Huh. So Romans 10 9 teaches that to be saved today you got to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, here's a professor at a university. A lot of professors at universities are like this. They believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in any miracles. They're not going to be saved, according to Romans 10, 9, because they don't believe in the resurrection of Christ. Well, the thief on the cross couldn't have believed in the resurrection of Christ. He died before Jesus was resurrected. So it's through no fault of his own. The resurrection, resurrection hadn't happened yet. The thief on the cross then did not believe in the resurrection of Christ as an accomplished fact. So how can he be saved according to Romans 10 verse 9? Well, it's obvious then when you think about this that the thief lived under a different law than we do. Obviously, you don't have to believe in the resurrection of Christ to be saved as Romans 10 9 requires if Jesus hadn't been resurrected yet. That would only apply after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. So all the people before Jesus died and was resurrected, wouldn't have to believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead as an accomplished fact. They wouldn't have to believe that to be saved. But but everybody believes we do today. All the denominations, as far as I know, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, they, they agree with Romans 10, 9. You've got to believe in the resurrection of Christ to be saved. Whoever believes that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You've got to believe in the resurrection of Christ to be saved. So we have to believe something different today than what they had to believe before Jesus died and was resurrected. Now that Jesus has been resurrected, we have to believe in the resurrection of Christ. They didn't. The thief didn't. He died before Jesus was resurrected. Obviously, then, he died during a time when the obligations were different. The obligation of believing the resurrection of the dead, of Jesus's, the resurrection of Jesus, as an accomplished fact, that obligation was different now than then, because Jesus hadn't been resurrected then. And that leads into my next point. The thief, he was forgiven before Jesus died. Therefore, he did not live under the New Testament law that requires a person to believe in the resurrection of Christ, that requires a person to be baptized. To get that point, I want us to go to Hebrews 9, 15 through 17. But before I do, 
Remember the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Here's how Hebrews 9, 15 through 17 reads. And for this cause, he, talking about Jesus, is the mediator of the New Testament. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Now, what is that? What is the writer of Hebrews saying there? Well, he's using the illustration, an analogy. My parents, there were four of us boys, Hunter, Ben, Pat, and Chris, four boys. I was number three. My parents wrote their will in the 1970s when we were boys. So the will was written out in the 1970s, but my dad didn't die to about 30 years later in 2001. And then my mother didn't die till 2010. So the will, even though it was written in the 70s, and the will basically said us four boys are going to share equally whatever my parents owned when they died. But we didn't get that back in the 70s when the will was written. We divided up what they owned when my mother died. My dad died first when my mother died in 2010. That's the way wills work. You don't, even though the will is written earlier when the people are still alive, the will does not go into effect until after the death of the testator. In this case, after the death of my parents. Now, the writer of Hebrews is saying it's the same thing is true about Jesus's last will and testament. That will, that testament, the New Testament law, we call it the law of Christ in Galatians 6, 2, did not go into effect until after the death of the testator, which would be Jesus Christ. So the law that says that you've got to be baptized to be saved, Mark 16, 16, Acts 2, 38, Acts 22, 16, 1 Peter 3, 21, that didn't go into effect until after the death of the testator, Jesus. And the thief was forgiven before the death of the testator. The thief, therefore, lived under the Old Testament law. He didn't have to be baptized for the same reason Adam didn't have to be baptized. For the same reason Moses didn't have to be baptized. Or Abraham. Or Noah. Their law never told them to be baptized. And baptism that's required by the Great Commission, Mark 16, 16, which we read earlier, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That Great Commission wasn't given till about 50 days after the thief died. So how could the thief be expected to have to be baptized to be saved when the requirement to be baptized to be saved didn't start for about 50 days after he died? The New Testament law didn't go into effect until after Jesus died, and that's the law that requires baptism for salvation. The thief didn't live under that law. He lived under the same law that Moses did. And Moses didn't have to be baptized to be saved. You'll never find baptism talked about in the Old Testament. You get the point? The reason the thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized to be saved is it's not because it's not required today, but it's because it wasn't required under the law that he lived under, which is a different law than what we live under. And I illustrated that. Everybody can see that with the requirement to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Everybody today understands Romans 10, 9 requires us to believe in the resurrection of Jesus to be saved. But we know the thief couldn't have believed that as an accomplished fact, like we have to believe it, because it hadn't happened yet. That should illustrate the fact that he lived under a different obligation, a different law than what we live under today. Now, if you have a Bible question or comment, please call us 
at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Let's keep in mind three facts before we leave this subject. First, the thief was forgiven before Jesus died. Therefore, was not forgiven based upon New Testament law. You remember Colossians 2.14, talking about Jesus, it says he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances, which is against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So the law of Moses was still in effect until the death of Christ. The thief was forgiven by Jesus before Jesus died. Number two, fact number two. And we'll get back to these facts. We have a call. Let's go ahead and take the call, and we'll get back to these three facts. Matthew from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Patrick, when you were talking about the Tits Tater, who, who was that? Well, in my analogy, my parents are the testator. They wrote their will. But in Hebrews nine fifteen through 17, Matthew, the testator is Jesus Christ. And the point is, a will does not go into effect until after the death of the testator. So Jesus's law, the New Testament, his will, didn't go into effect until after his death. And we're going to see in a minute, Matthew, that it went into effect on the day of Pentecost. Let me read you a verse that helps us to see that. Luke 24, 47, Jesus said this as he was given the Great Commission just before he was resurrected, just before he ascended up to heaven, probably about 50 days after he died. It says, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now, Matthew, doesn't this verse make it obvious that the Great Commission was to begin to be preached, meaning begin to be binding at Jerusalem? And wouldn't that Jerusalem be referring to the day of Pentecost, Luke 24, 49? And so, Matthew, the second account of the Great Commission is where Jesus required water baptism for salvation, Mark 16, 16. And that Great Commission... Jesus said in the Great Commission, he said, this is not going to go into effect, began to be preached, began to be binding on the day of Pentecost, which is in Acts chapter 2. So, Matthew, do you see why I don't think the thief had to be baptized to be saved? Because the Great Commission requiring it didn't go into effect until about 50 days later. You see that, Matthew? Yeah. Appreciate your call, Matthew. You have, a good, you have a good rest of the weekend, okay? You do. Another fact that I want to mention is that the thief on the cross, and I've already mentioned this really, died before the Great Commission was ever given. Therefore, he was not responsible to Jesus's Mark 16, 16 command to be baptized in order to be saved. Mark 16, 16 says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But that wasn't given by Jesus to about 40 or 50 days after the thief died. How could he be responsible to that verse? It wasn't began to be binding until Acts chapter 2. Troy from Colorado, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, hey, I'm uh, I'm driving, so if I drop the call, I apologize, but I'll just make my comments and then let it take uh, your answer on the air if I could. Yeah, go ahead, Troy. Sure. Um, respectfully, I don't agree with the idea that you have to be baptized, and it comes mostly from the position. Uh, the verse that you quoted to open the session with was about um, that you you talk about Mark sixteen sixteen. you want me to quote it again go ahead he that believeth and is baptized shall go ahead yeah that's the one he that believeth and is baptized 
shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. On in that same verse, it it says they, that if he believes, he shall be saved. That's you know it doesn't again mention baptism um, that I remember. Another point that I would want to make would be that there's you know the Bible. I think a pretty good way of letting uh, understanding and getting interpretation is let the Bible interpret the Bible. So one other verse, you know, you just can't cherry pick a single verse or end up getting in trouble. But one other verse that comes to my mind is the one, and I'm quoting, you know, driving down the road without a Bible in front of me. Okay. um, my, uh, My rendition of it from memory is that it says, that uh, in order to be saved, that you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to confess your sins, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe that he will save you, and you shall be saved. And okay. there's no mention whatsoever about baptism. Okay. I tell you verse. what. Thank you, Troy. I'm going to deal with those two. I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to deal with those two verses. Okay. okay? Mark 16, 16, right, I believe you're quoting, you. I'm not mistaken, from Romans 10, 9, and 10. And thank you for that. those good questions, okay? Thank you. Okay, Troy, you listen in. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. Now, in Mark 16, 16, Troy's right. The second part of the verse says, he that believeth not shall, shall be condemned. It doesn't mention baptism, but there's a good reason for that. We know from Acts 8 in the conversion of the eunuch, the eunuch wanted to be baptized, Acts 8, 36. Verse 37, Philip said to him, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. In other words, if you don't believe first, you're not a candidate, a scriptural candidate for baptism. That's why we understand that infant baptism is unscriptural. They can't believe. And that's why Mark 16, 16 says, he that believeth not shall be condemned and doesn't mention baptism. It can't mention baptism because if you don't believe, you can't be baptized scripturally. So he that believeth not shall be condemned is written that way because if you don't believe, it wouldn't make any sense to say he that believeth not and is baptized or is not baptized shall be condemned because you can't be baptized unless you believe first. So the first part of the verse is telling us what to do to be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That proves conclusively, indisputably, you got to be baptized to be saved. The second part of the verse doesn't mention baptism. It doesn't say you don't have to be baptized to be saved. It just says if you don't believe, you're going to be lost. And if you don't believe, why would you get baptized? You, you wouldn't be, if you did, you wouldn't be baptized scripturally. You got to believe first. There's no reason for a person to be baptized if they don't believe. So the first part of the verse says what you got to do to be saved, believe and be baptized. The second part of the verse says what you got to do to be lost, be an unbeliever. If you're an unbeliever, it wouldn't make any difference if you're baptized or not. You're not going to be saved. Now let's turn to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, which is the other verse, I think, that Troy was trying to refer to. He tried to quote it, and it sounded like he was trying to quote quote Romans 10, 9 and 10. Let me read that. It says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I quoted that verse earlier in the program. Verse 10 says, for the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this passage teaches that you have to believe in Christ and confess that with your mouth in order to be saved. Now that right there proves that salvation is not by faith only. 
Most preachers will say, all you got to do to be saved is believe in Christ. That all you got to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. This verse that Troy quoted proves that's wrong. No, you got to believe, and then it's required to confess with your mouth. And there's, it's possible to believe in Christ and not be willing to confess and not confess. And you won't be saved, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you do that, because it says you've got to believe and confess. As an example of that, let me read John 12, 42 and 43. It says, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So here we have some chief rulers that believed in Christ. The Bible says they did, but they weren't willing to follow through on their belief. They weren't willing to confess it because they didn't want to lose their position in the synagogue. They loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Well, Troy and my other listeners, are they going to be saved according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, which says you got to believe and confess with your mouth to be saved? Well, obviously not. They weren't willing to confess. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says you got to believe and confess. So belief by itself, what the Baptists preach, all you got to do to be saved is belief, is proven to be false. No, you got to believe and confess. We see that the people in John 12 didn't and they weren't saved. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 requires it. Now, is that is Romans 10, 9 and 10 saying all you got to do is believe and confess? If that's true, that would mean a person wouldn't have to repent of their sins to be saved. <laughs> Does that make any sense? So a gay, a person that's a homosexual, could believe in Jesus and confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but not repent of their sins, remain a homosexual, and they're going to be saved? I don't even think the Baptists believe that. They believe that you also, besides believing you, in confessing, you got to repent of your sins. So a homosexual is not going to be saved if he doesn't repent. Well, that's what we see in Acts 2, verse 38. Peter told some believers in Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So believers, according to that verse, have to repent and be baptized to be saved. It takes repentance and baptism. Romans 10, 9 and 10 doesn't mention repentance, yet everybody understands you got to repent of your sins to be saved. Therefore, we all agree that Romans 10, 9 and 10 is not telling us everything that a person has to do to be saved. It's just saying that you have to believe and confess to be saved. It's not saying all you have to do is believe and confess. If it were saying that, that would mean you don't have to repent. But Acts 2.38 says you got to repent to receive the remission of sins. And by the way, it also says you got to be baptized to get the remission of sins. In Acts twenty two sixteen, Ananias told Saul of Tarsus three days after he believed, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So we all agree the blood of Christ is what washes away our sins. The question is when? Well, with Saul of Tarsus, it wasn't when he believed on the road to Damascus. It was three days later when he was baptized. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. That conclusively, absolutely proves you got to be baptized to get your sins washed away by the blood of Christ. Roy from Oklahoma, go have your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, uh, I was thinking about Paul in Romans where he talks about our conscience either excuses us or uh, uh, allow, you know, allows us to, uh, uh, is our guide, basically. And that uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So as we're obedient and follow Christ in baptism, 
we have a clear conscience, and then we can wash our conscience with the Word of God and follow after Him. And I think that's one of the important things of baptism. It gives you uh, that clear conscience. When people come up out of the baptism water, they're always, they have that clear conscience, that smile on their face. You can tell they know they're walking and following after the Messiah now. And I so, Roy, I think that's a, one of the that's a good passage. Uh, let me read that for the audience. First Peter 3, 20 and 21. Which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water, the like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Roy's right. This verse says, baptism doth also now save us. Now, it's not talking about a physical cleansing. He says, it's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. He's talking about a spiritual cleansing. It's the answer of a good conscience by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism saves us. God would never say that if we didn't have to be baptized to be saved. If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience, I want you to call or text me at 256-682-9753. 